Welcome, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. It's Mordechai Weinberger, licensed clinical social worker, and our very special Harav Nissen. It is an honor and looking forward to having you on this program, participating, asking your question or your comment. The number to call in to ask your question or comment is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And we're looking forward to really getting your question or your comment, so please call in. I'd like to share with you a bit of a humbling story that I've had today. And I had a client that came to me about six months ago, and we've done three or four sessions, and things were not adding up. And everything I'm telling you, by the way, now is with permission of the family, which I spoke to today, and we said it's a real tailus for everyone. So they're sharing it. And after three, four sessions, I said things aren't adding up, and we changed different psychiatrists, and we're taking care of the medication, and it's still not going the way things are, should be going. And what we said is, you know something? Let's go back. For whatever reason, they went back to the general doctor, and the general doctor told them, let's do a blood work, and they checked for Lyme disease. And this is an adult person, we'll call it above the age of 50, that has been having, quote-unquote, psychiatric issues for a while. And I'm, I'm doing therapy. I'm saying something isn't adding up. We went to the top psychiatrist and saying something isn't adding up. And then went to the medical doctor, back to the medical doctor, and they said they're going to do a complete um, blood work, and Bar Hashem, they're able to find that it's that it was looks like a tick or Lyme disease. However, you get that, and just by being on the antibiotics since he had it for so many years, it was one issue that was taken care of. And now there are secondary issues that if someone's got Lyme disease for a long time. So what I'd like to share with everyone, and it's even a question for us to have in our mind, which is. Do we say everyone that is suffering from depression that now we've got to start checking the, the thyroid? And do we need to check, do we need to start doing an automatic 20 vials of blood, just taking all the blood out and checking every single thing before we start the psychological concept, even to check for Lyme disease? Who would think that a person that is, let's say, showing signs of, of anger and really being upset that it's Lyme disease for many years and, and that affects the brain, means the energy or the feelings, whatever it is, happens, goes to it. That is the question I was wondering, what do you say to that? I was so appreciative to hear that, and we still need to do emotional help, and there still might need to be medication. But the medication wasn't working because it wasn't starting with, with, a, with an emotional issue. It started with a physical medical issue, medical condition. It just reinforced the, the idea of uh, the true diagnostic, you know, Yes. That's uh, many times we're thinking, you know, we look at the person and we think that is is X and Y, and in the end we found it uh, that is exactly the opposite. So I think That's this right. Is really, the diagnostic, and, and this this is the way of uh, looking of a uh, general, you know, because everybody now today become a specialist on one. One is on on the fingernails, and one is, but I think that that if we look the on the global on all all the issue around us. So it will be uh, much better, you know. And this is give us, a, a, I would say, a slap in the face to many people that thought that they're smart. Yeah. Yep. And I'll tell you, it, it did cause me doubt, and that's what I'd like to share with everyone. Like, I was really wondering, what is the right process? Do we need to, that means that once in a while, I hear that it's a physical component. It was a thyroid. It was something else going on, like Lyme disease. That means if we see, let's say if we see a thousand people, ten of them might have a physical 
condition. Does that mean now that every client before they come to me, I ask them now to do complete medical workups? Like, I really wonder what's the idea. And I don't know if medical I, doctors would even do that for I, that purpose. I, th- I think that, you know, from the experience, I think that your experience and other people, you know, that see if it's working, what you now, what you're thinking, and don't drag it to many years or many things. One, two, three, session, and see them. Something That's wrong. right. I and like that idea. Is, so what you're saying is that, once we start the process and we see something isn't working well, like therapy isn't working, we tried some of the medications, it's not working, then we start going to all the medical, to the medical tests that maybe it's on a physical level. That makes sense because I was discussing it with that, with, that family, like with that family member, like what do we do? You know, that I, I know that the commercial mm-hmm. of uh, Dr. Simcha Cohen is about uh, yeah. <laughs> sleeping disorder can cause, you know, HDT. So many times we don't know. But uh, as you say, that we have to check if it's not working, try to, to find something else, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So the number to call in to ask your question or comment is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And we are looking forward to taking your question or your comments that there are. Okay, let's go take, we've got two texts till the callers come in, and it goes as follows. Number one is from England. Hi, I'm trying to understand a certain behavior. Maybe you would be able to help me again understand when an adult owns up voluntary to something that they did wrong privately means if someone does something wrong within themselves a why would the person tell knowing fully the person would be upset to hear so why would you tell someone if you know the person you're going to tell will be upset and b when this happens what response does this an adult really want to hear thank you a london listener it's a nice Nice concept I like in this question because it's very, very different from what people think. Now, let's explain what we mean by that. There's a concept that if I want to apologize, I'm apologizing to you because I want your forgiveness. That's level one. Level one means I harmed you or I did something wrong to you, even if you will never find out. So, therefore, I want to apologize because I need your forgiveness and maybe I feel guilty. So that would be one level why someone would tell means if A harmed B, even if B doesn't know about it, why they will tell B, because they have a certain guilt and they want to get it off their chest. And now, the second part of your question was, when this happens, what response does the adult really want to hear? It might be that they want to hear forgiveness. Now, let's go to the second component, which is a lot deeper level. There is a level when we do something wrong to someone else, what happens is it affects us. When we get away with it, and even though no one will ever find out, it affects us. Now, it's not the guilt that we harmed someone. It's the guilt to ourselves that we were not pure. We were not clean to ourselves. When we live, when we get the truth out, when we take ownership, even if the person now needs to pay the price, but there is a freedom. The more secrets that we have, the more we walk around harming others or even just within ourselves, then we are triggered and then it affects us. Therefore, in A, the person might be upset, but then we'll either work out, either will be accepted, but you don't walk around with that pain. And B, whatever the response of the other person is, if it's now I'm here to make amends, I'm here to admit that I said something wrong, then that is what's important for us to focus on. And when you can do that, there are major, major changes. 
All right, we are going to go to a caller, Mr. J. Mr. J, you're on yes, the air with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Yes. Um, I'm a rabbi in Cheder, age six, and yeah. some boys are good and, uh, and they know the learning well, but when it comes to playing, they feel a little bit weak. They always come complain that this boy told me this and this boy told me that. So I would like to have some tips or tools what I can tell them. They shouldn't be so afraid of others. Ah, that's a wonderful question. The question is that what happens when you have boys that are successful? They're good at learning. But when they're not so good in sports, then, and they're playing sports, and then they're told they're not doing so well, how do you help these Talmudim to be okay? Correct? Yes. To, to is that the question? They're okay in everything, so why should they focus on the negatives? Right. And here's an interesting concept that I describe that I find. It's not, this isn't a DSM, this isn't a diagnosis, uh, diagnosis or a legal diagnosis. It's my diagnosis. I find that the number one diagnosis that I work with from Kehillah is perfectionism. Number one thing is perfectionism. What happens in perfectionism is that we need to be perfect all over to be accepted. And if we're not good in one area, then the chose ain't a Then all of a sudden we feel worthless. That's the danger with perfectionists. And to take it even further is, even if they'll get the highest mark in the class, but they know they could have done better, or their handwriting could have done better, or the rabbi didn't give them the great look, or the teacher didn't give them the great look, then they will feel broken and they'll feel hurt. So what we want to teach these kids are, wonderful, you're not that good at sports. Well, let's practice it more and more, step one. Step two is, how can we be good? How can we be clear? How can we be happy even though you're not good at something? Because in life, Merit Hashem, there will be something you won't be good at, and that's what we want to recognize. Does that make sense how you can start helping them with this concept? Because this is a concept that we want to teach. We want to break the perfectionist concept that you're happy even the way you are. Mm-hmm. Yes, I understand the concept, and it's, I'm very happy with it. I would like to take it a step further. So let's say it comes to playing ball. So this boy that is good with all the, all the stuff, when it comes to ball, he's not so good, let's say sports or whatever it is. So, so, what, so, so this boy, I will make him aware that although he is not good in sports, but he is still good in so many areas. But he is not, now it's playing time, so what can he do in playing time? Well, we want him to play ball. We want him to learn and to practice not being good at something and being happy. That is the lesson. Do it even if it's not so good. Yes. No, no, no. no. Notice the difference of what, you're saying, what I'm saying and what you're saying. You're saying even you're not good, do it. And what I'm telling you is learn to be happy when you're not good at something. Notice the difference? What's uh-huh. the difference okay, yes, between yes, the yes. two? Okay. It's One is saying do it better. anyhow, so you don't have to be good at everything. What I'm saying is something a step further. We want to tell the kids, Mer Hashem, in life there are going to be stuff you're not good at. In the book Alive that we came out with, 
the 10-step guide to a vibrant life we have over there. It's chapter 2 or chapter 3, where we start discussing that every one of us, it's chapter 3, called Release Life's New Beginnings. Every one of us at different stages in life have to be a beginner. You're starting to work, you're a beginner. You get better, all of a sudden you're a master. Now you're going to start to branch out to a whole new area. Now you're a beginner again. Being beginners and not being good at something is part of every step in life. When we can learn to be calm and safe during the not good stages, that's when we can enjoy the life. Mm-hmm. We want to ask them, how can you learn to be happy not being good at something? That's our discussion. You could remember that you're good at other stuff to remember that even though you're not good, but if you're only going to focus where you're perfect at, you might never learn new stuff. So you'll do it even though you're not good, and you'll be happy focusing on other stuff. You might even find out after six months of playing bowl that you are good at bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make, does that make sense? A lot of sense? Sure, that's the goal. That's the main concept that we want. That's again, I wrote the book alive, a ten-step guide to a vibrant life for all the normal, regular people. This is a book that I look at when I need, let's say, to remind myself of the basics. Because even though I wrote the book, but it was meant for humans. Since I'm human, there are times that I can fall back at certain concepts. Forgiveness, mm-hmm. releasing consistency, the penny double theory, the 10,000-hour theory, saying there are all the basic theories that I find that help me throughout life that I review it. And that's the concept in Chapter 3 that we want kids to learn. After you've got a self-esteem, after you're willing to make mistakes, now allow yourself to be a beginner. We are, through, we are beginners throughout those stages. Mm-hmm. Makes sense? Just, yes, it, made, it makes a lot of sense just to... I just want to tell you that, you know, in London there's a, such a thing like a sefer that's Malavagodosh. Yeah. Your book is Malavagodosh. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I am going to read over here a message that we got, and I'm going to defend myself a little. So I want to clarify. Uh, this, we're going to go first to Mr. S. Mr. S., you're on Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Yeah. But Rav Nissen, I want to hear your you? take on this, on this text message that we got. And it goes as follows. Yes, a very good psychiatrist knows to run through medical blood work to rule out any pathological problems before prescribing medication. I'm quite surprised you're just discovering this process as a therapist. Whew. <laughs> so let me clarify. Yes, as a therapist, when we do, and when I do the evaluation, we start asking when did this start. Part of our evaluation is we start recognizing, was there changes in the child or in the adult? Did anything happen? We look for telltale signs. But let me ask you something. Do we need to check in a 50-plus-year-old man for Lyme disease that's going on for about, let's say, 30 years, when it makes sense that this matches, let's say, all the symptoms of depression, all the symptoms of anxiety, or all the symptoms of of bipolar, when we know the parents have similar situations and some other siblings have that? Of course I'm aware of the physical level. But you've got to realize, and that's what I'm bringing it up, that not always do you run 20 vials of tests. I mean, imagine every time you go to the doctor with a strep throat, it could be other stuff, and imagine they'll be doing a complete body workup where they'll be taking 20 vials of blood every time. And that's what I'm saying. Lyme disease is something so remote something so out of the box to think of? That's my question. Of course we generally go through all their physical changes and other stuff happening. If it makes sense, the person got injured or something happened physically, 
No, I don't know if every time someone suffers from depression, we know what's happening, that we actually do a thyroid test and every other test. And I don't know if we check for Epstein-Barr or for mono every single time a person is weak. Many times, if we're able to identify that there's stress, then that's what we focus on. We understand the person's a perfectionist in school. So all of a sudden now, the kid isn't doing so well. So I don't know, do we really need to always, I mean, before any psychiatrist ever prescribes medication, will we run a full a full level of testing, of medical testing? I don't know. Harav Nissen, what do you say? I want to tell you something to remind me that uh, last week, somebody, a friend of mine called me that he, that he, didn't have, he doesn't have any eat in the house. And yeah. I, I, just, I went over there to check the uh, boiler, and I started looking around, you know, and I have a lot of experience with this issue. And yeah. going to the kishke of the boiler, checking and checking, and the end, what happened? It was the thermostat, the wire. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. sometimes, uh, and you know, we had like a blockage and something like this that, you know, even we don't think, sometimes we found that we sell the, the machine, it, it doesn't plug it at all. And we look, we look for the, the different stuff. So this has happened to all of us. I don't think that, uh, you know, uh, we, it's, it's a miss. But truly that uh, it's possible. And as you say, from your experience, that you don't, don't check everybody with a 20 vial of, uh, of uh, blood and every time you go sending to, to the, another labs and maybe it's like just drink something last night or eat something wrong. Who, who knows? That's right. I'll tell you, part of me does think now, which should be standard process, if someone's depressed, before you check for depression, check for mono, Epstein-Barr, thyroid, and all that stuff. I'm just wondering if that's really the process that should be before you do any therapy at all, ever, or before you do medication. I'm, that's, that is the doubt. So when this person sends the message, how could you miss that? It's so simple. No, no, no. We do this all day. If I would tell you that out of 100 people, it happens to two people that it's really medical, then those are the statistics. However, however, should we run it for everyone because of that small percentage or that five percentage? I, I don't, yeah, that was the question. So I'm defending myself a little that it's not just a new thought that I had. Okay, great. We're going to go to Mr. S. You're on the air with Mordechai. And anyone that would like to ask your question, the number to call in is 718-683-5858, Hello? Yes, Shalom Aleichem. Thank you for holding. Shalom Aleichem. How are you? Baruch Hashem. Fantastic and amazing tonight. Um, I just wanted to comment on this Lyme disease thing. First of all, in New York State, it's becoming more and more prevalent. Lyme disease, so it's something maybe that should be in our minds more, which is uh, probably why you mentioned it also to be mechazik da'ilam, and you know that that could be a possibility. The other that's, thing that's is actually what the family member asked me to do because we did a follow-up evaluation, and it was very interesting there. And I said, and I asked them permission if I can please share it for people to know that there can be real medical certain conditions that does affect our mind. Yeah. 100%. So that's exactly why we're doing it. We're creating the, the awareness and even a question. Any, um, a doctor had told this to me, and um, I try to keep it in my mind. When you hear galloping outside, you'll typically, before you go to the window, say to yourself, oh, that must be a horse outside. But yeah. when you open the window and you look out and you see that, it might, that it's a zebra... There are zebras around, not in not here in uh, in Brooklyn, or not. In, you know, it's not common. But as long as we keep our minds open to other things that it might be, I don't know how long this whole process took. But if it's you know w- within a certain amount of time, 
if one thing is not working, another thing is not working. So this is something that we should keep in our minds: Lyme disease, or like you say, Epstein Barr, a lot of these other these other issues. I'm not a doctor; I don't know what other things. See, now I appreciate it. That's actually but very smart. Basically, the along those lines, go with uh, the Seichel Ayasher. Seichel Ayasher is that we got to treat it. It sounds like depression, looks like depression. Let's go do a couple of sessions on depression. If needed, try a little medication. If things aren't working out at that level, then we start the more details in the medical process. That, so it sounds like that's what you did, and uh, I, I yeah. would say, you know, not as a medical professional, but I would say you did the right thing. Thank you. Thank you. Have yeah. a wonderful evening. Yeah. And thank you very much for your wonderful program. You're very welcome. Thank you for that insight. I appreciate it, by the way. what do you say to that? I wasn't in. Oh, you're busy. I see sending the messages and getting the phones. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good. Okay. We are going to go to Mrs. G. Mrs. G, you're on the Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Okay, I think we can go to Mr. D then, and we'll have Mrs. G calm down whatever's happening by them. Mrs. G. Hello, Mrs. G. Hello, yes. Yes. Hello, yes. I don't know, that was a cross line somewhere. I wanted to ask a question. My, very often, if, someone gives me an opportunity to do a chesed, I do it. But once in a while, I'll feel like I just can't do it, and I'll say no. And then I'll be so consumed with guilt afterwards, I'll keep rationalizing to myself why I did the right thing, like, and excusing it to myself and explaining myself to my husband and, and above and beyond. And I want to know how I could think when I feel like it's not the right thing for me to do so I don't go to the guilt. Okay, Harvnison, what do you say about this? Because me and you, we suffer from this too. You know, welcome to the club. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> welcome to the club. You know, I don't have nothing. You know, it's, we have the same, the same issue all the time, every time. That, and until we said, you know, to stop it, you know, it's very difficult, very difficult for me all the time. And I think that uh, Rabbi Mordechai is the same, same problem, and Avi Cohen, and all the people that involved this radio is the same uh, issue. Yeah, where to stop and where to uh, where to find the right balance in between? Uh, I would say feeling abused or helping other people. It is very tough. That's right. And no advice, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, first, Harv Nissen. I know that what works for me many times, but this is, again, Hazara. means it doesn't like you have it once and you master it. For me, what I actually need is a Hazara. So I need to remind myself of all the people that I did help. Or sometimes, like Arav Nissen knows, many times we get calls from people after the program saying, please, Mordechai, we just want to speak to you private. We don't want to do it on air. When can we do that? And I do feel bad, and I say, sorry, we can't do that. And, and that happens a lot. Now, what we need to do is, at least what I do, is I try to remind myself of all the good that I did do. How many people did hear the program? How many people did get an awareness from the program? That is what we try to focus on. And so I, I, wonder- I also will try to remember my family also and think that we have uh, other obligation. And we, I said, chesed matchil babit, you know, sometimes a lot of things has to be done close to you, really in the home, and then later outside. So this is things that I practice. That's right. And the guilt is there, but the more times you, let's say, get feedback from your spouse saying, but we need you, and the kid saying, Mommy, thank you for being home for us to now, or spending the time with us and not being on the cell phone. These are important. If I would tell you the amount of time I work on people that they say, 
it was interesting. About a year ago, uh, no, it's two years ago, when I dropped my cell phone, I got a message from someone saying that they always listened to us on, to me on the radio, to Rav Nissen, but they couldn't really appreciate it because their father is also a major Askin and is never home for them. The minute that they heard that I dropped a cell phone so I could be more present at home when I do that, they said now is the first time they could appreciate listening to me. Now, let's recognize our children, as Rav Nissen said, Chesed Matzil Babayit, charity begins at home. Our children are people too. If we can focus, and sometimes I like playing in my mind with my kids saying, Tati, please can you spend some time with us all of a sudden, or tonight at 6 o'clock, then I hear the command in my mind, just like that person asks. When I hear the kids ask, or sometimes I even picture myself asking, Mordechai, could you please just take care of me today? Need to go to sleep earlier. Need to do this. When I can hear that in my mind, like a person asking, many times it balances it out for me. I don't know if that would do anything for you. I don't know, but thank you for your advice and help. Right. Just know evening. that you are a person that helps. You're a person that the Rabbi Shalom gave kaychus to. And what we need to learn is how to balance the kaychus. Just think of it this way. If you don't go to sleep, how, how far can you get? Not far. That's right. So recognize that taking time for your family is sleep, and it's building you up that you can do more chesed. If you don't have the balance, then unfortunately you won't have the other stuff as well. Okay. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful evening. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Harav Nissen, who do we have next? Mr. D. We're going back to that... Uh... Hello, Mr. Who D. Who was this? We've got uh, Mr. D. Hello? Mr. D, hello? Hello? Yes, I guess. Who's this? What initial did R. you give? Mrs. R. It's Rahi Mrs. R. Yeah. Hello, Mrs. R. You're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Um, no, it's Klein. Okay. Okay, so you told us the name. You're on radio. Okay, um... Hi, thank you so much for this show. It's really amazing. My so, pleasure. we have a question. Basically, we have this problem. It's me and my friend here. Yep. Um, we... We sort of, like, we have a friend that we were friends with her for, like, a long time, like, since, like, we're, like, in high school now. We're friends with her, like, since elementary, and we, she's, like, not right for us anymore, and, like, we were really, like, close to her and everything, and she's really, really not right for us anymore, and we want to know, like, how to lose, how to, how to, how to, how to drop her. Like, we don't want to hurt her feelings, and it's, she's really, really not right for us. And we keep on, like, talking us and her about her, and we really feel bad about it, but we don't know how to, like, because we feel like we have to stay with her, but we really don't want to. Let's first play things a little differently, because when we got about friends, if she's harming or is she disturbing, what's the issue? Why? Why? Now, let me clarify. How would you like it if all of a sudden there are different friends, and they cut you out? Yeah, but it's not, it's, she... It's going on for, for a long time that she she doesn't like when we are friends with different people. Like she feels like as it says it's like she's like possessive over us. Like we she's friends with us so we can't be friends with different people. And if we're friends with different people she gets upset and like it hurts her so feelings. How about like you not- discuss that with her? So instead of dropping her, what happens if you be now more adult like you discuss it with her? Telling her notice that when we speak to other friends you get upset or you get possessive. We did discuss it with her. 
Good. many and times. What was her and response? there were many like things happened that like I got hurt, she got hurt. And it's just not working out anymore. It's like we're at the end of high school and we're feeling like... Well, then discuss that with her. Then tell her, you know, we've tried several times. Things aren't working out. You know, so, what happens if you'd be open, direct? So what should, we, what should we tell her? You know, we have friends where we've been three, four friends for many, many years. And all of a sudden now, you know, it's already a year or two that we're telling you. Like when we hang around other friends, you know, things expand. We want to meet other friends, and you're, like, being possessive and upset at us for changing friends. But she'll just keep saying, saying it's not true. She'll just say, like, it's not true. Of course, I, of course I'm happy for you that you have other friends. She'll say, of course not. She denies it, but we, we're, we know her for so long. Now, listen, now let's take the next step. So you say, okay, then next time you make those comments, we will illustrate and we will have you being aware of that. So now, two days later, she goes, why do you talk to that girl? Here's where you're being. That comment, why you talk to that girl, is so where ask, you She won't going. say it like that. She'll say, like, she'll ask me, like, do you talk to this, do you, who did you speak to tonight? Like, did you speak to this Let's kid? Go, like, hold on, you hold talk on, to her? So you go, and you through see, it, I get the vibes that she's hold not on, happy about on, it. Like, I know on, her. I know talk, that. Let me talk. Let me talk. Sounds like you want to talk. We're trying to get a system going. I tell you, please hold on. Please hold on. So I want to do a role play. I'm going to be you, and I want you to be her and try different things on me. So start that once. Ask that question again. What question? Who did you talk to tonight? Who would I speak to tonight? I'd rather... No, no, I want you to speak to me as if that way. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather... Take different I... ones. I want to show you role play. Watch her do that to me. I want to educate No, you. I, I'm saying, like, I'd rather... I wouldn't want to tell her just because I know it bothers her when I speak to other people. Then hold on. Now is your weakness. Understand, you want to drop her. Because you're too weak to illustrate why, and she's now going to be confused, and she'll never figure out what happened. Exactly. Let's try it. Let's just do a role play. Try it. Do those couple of steps. Act like her. Do it to me. We're educating you. You're now graduating high school. You're going to be getting married. You're going to get in the world out there. This happens all the time. Friends, brother-in-law, sister-in-law's brothers, sisters. This happens all the time. You've got to learn how to set the boundaries and to be direct in a gentle way. So people understand and they will learn your language. If you're going to avoid life, that's the whole point of teenage years, to learn the correct responses in life. So what do I do? So go ahead. I want you to be her and put me to the wall. So, hi, who do you speak to tonight? Like, it's a whole conversation, and then, like, okay, so who do you speak to tonight? You know, till this question, the conversation was great. I appreciate it. When you go, who did I speak to tonight, I start feeling it controlling. It's just not a question that I like to hear. So let's just continue talking about other stuff. Mm-hmm. I really want to know. Hello? Hello? Yes. This yep. is other friend. I want to explain to you that. It's no, no, I don't want to explain. I want only role play. You need to learn how to role play. We don't want talking. You're great at talking. You're going to try to tell me a thousand reasons why it's not going to work. I'm teaching you a whole new strategy. Go ahead. Give me another response that she does. I want to explain to you. Well, I'm sorry. I'm I don't want so much. to explain. I just want to explain to you one demeanor of her. You see, you want to explain? I don't want to explain right now. So can we just give another example? I want you to learn the assertiveness that you're going to have, that you're going to learn, is what's going to help you out in life. Okay. Give me three more examples. Um, you want to come with me to the sink? Um, and then, like, on the way to the sink, she would ask me something like, um, last night, who do you go out with? Who do you do this with? Like, 
Why are you speaking it's to so her? Nice I didn't know you're friends like, with let's her. Let's talk about other stuff. You know, every time you bring up who and what I did with others with, I take it as a little control. You remember when I bring it up? So let's talk about other stuff. Let's talk about rather what you did last night then. See, what you're going to learn to do is you're going to start learning how to have relationships with people and to be able to say, leave certain boundaries. What happens if also you get married and you have a sister that's so close and also she'll ask you personal questions about whatever it is that you don't want to share or about your family? You've got to learn. This is what we're teaching you now, let's say, through this little education of everyone listening, especially for the teenagers, is to learn how to go certain conversations I want to talk about, certain conversations I don't want to talk about. I hear you. Now, and we have that in therapy. Notice how I was controlling the conversation on purpose where I said, no, no, I don't want to hear your stories. I did that purposely to illustrate that we all have choices what we want to talk about and what we don't want to talk about. That's what you want to learn. So this is now about assertiveness training, about saying what I do and what I don't. And you'll find you'll have now a lot more friends when you can say, with this friend I want to discuss this topic, with these friends I want to talk about other topics. So when I tell her this, when I tell her this, mm-hmm. she gets very hurt. No, no, I want you now to act like her. Let's not talk about her, what she acts, act like her. Tell me what she'll do. Why? Like, I'm your friend. Like, why can't you share everything with me? Uh, friends are so supposed to tell, share? like, Excellent. I thought uh, I'm so close to you. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I can only answer one at a time. You gave one example. Let's answer one, then you'll give me the second one. The next example is that you said, well, uh, we're friends. Why can't we share everything? Excellent. Here is the part that I was referring to when I said that we feel controlled. It means we can be friends. We can even be best friends. But best friends doesn't mean that me and you are one in every area. It means in certain friendship areas we're very close, but certain like family areas I want to keep that private or keep with my family. It means I don't have to share everything with you. And means we can be very close, but certain areas I want to keep private. If you can accept that, then we can have a good friendship. I mean, certain areas I want to keep to myself for no reason at all without even needing to apologize. I could just say this topic I don't want to discuss. And this is, again, educating you about life. That, Merit Hashem, there will be many areas in life that you need to keep private, just between you and your husband, just between you and your husband and kids. There are sometimes certain family secrets that we want to keep. Someone's not well, we don't want anyone to know. You've got to learn how to, even if it's your parents or it's your in-laws, that they're curious, certain times you need to keep things private. If you don't know how to do it, if you're not trained to do it in the teenage years, how are you going to do it later on? So what you're teaching is, yes, just because we're best friends or good friends doesn't mean you go into all areas of my life. It means that there are areas in your life that we can be very close with, but certain areas I still want to keep private. So for me, what I did last night, I want to keep private now. Now, act like her. Don't talk to me and explain her. Act like her. What would be her next response to that? As to what you just said, what... what yeah. Summarize yeah. what you just said. I. Okay, let me summarize it again. I understand that when you said now that because we're best friends, therefore I should tell you everything that we did. And what I want to clarify to you is that it doesn't go that way. It means we can be best friends, and best friends means that in certain areas we're very close, in certain areas I want to keep private. There might be certain family things I want to keep private. There might be certain things with other friends that I want to keep private. And private doesn't mean I'll never tell you. It means now I don't want to share it. So if I say I don't want to answer certain questions, it's not about me not caring about you. It's that I want to keep it to myself. So when you ask me what I did last night, today I'm not in the mood. Now I'm not in the mood of answering what I did last night. And if I just say I'm not in the mood, then just accept it. This way I don't feel like so controlled, as I mentioned, in the relationship that's going on the last two years. Mm-hmm. 
Mordechai. So that's it. Sure, yes, I'll listen. Okay, I said, I would say, if because we are so just a good friend, a best friend, you have to respect my feeling. Sometimes I don't, want to, I don't want to share it with you. I write, I cannot. As you say, I don't have the mood. You are yeah. my best friend. So respect me as a best friend. That's right. But I feel I, I just I just feel like the relationship was ruined already. I don't feel like I feel like it's over already. Ah, now I'll tell you if you can, if you're not strong enough to put these boundaries, and the relationship is over. I feel I, I feel like put, she hurt me too much. That I I just feel I have a certain anger why? towards her. I there's certain feelings that I don't feel like I'm Michael for certain things, and I sorry ah, hurt me, and I know it's thank wrong, you. but. I so appreciate that comment now, because that comment is what you're saying is, cause, let me translate it, and forgive me for being so direct. Because you were too weak in the past to set boundaries, and because yeah. you didn't have the answer how to, say, protect yourself, you're hurt now. Right. And now you're not interested in having a relationship with her. I wonder if you can even be open and tell that to her. I don't you know feel something? like I could. What? I don't feel like I could tell her that. I Excellent. would hurt her feelings. So now the issue is that you're not clear. Now I wonder if you can get a teacher involved, because you might need a teacher in the middle to help you guys work it out. Mm-hmm. I don't think you, what you need to do is now end. You see, you called up how do you end a relationship. What I think is you're getting now a, a, a dose of reality of adulthood. Now most people and adults, unfortunately, are not acting like adults. I'll be very blunt and say that. That means they disconnect, they get angry, instead of working it out. That's a big problem in our marriages. We keep everything in, we swallow, and then we come into my office saying, he'll never change, she'll never change. Of course not. It's 20 years of, ba- of battling it and swallowing it. Right, that's what now we, we feel like. Now we've got to start the like process of and swallowed, and now we just feel like it's over. That's right. Now what I'm telling you is you might just end it, or you might recognize. Remember, this, ther- this program is for awareness. We're not doing therapy. So we're creating an awareness for people. If you swallow and you don't work it out, look at what happens. The relationship ends. And unfortunately, that's what happens between many times parents and children, where there's so much swallowing that it just swallows and it always explodes. Or between husbands and wives sometimes, where they swallow so long and buried so long that now the marriage ends because of so much swallowing. However, I wonder if we can create the awareness, and that's what we do in therapy, that once we can start opening up and bringing up the past pain, we'll actually learn how to work it out. And so what can we do for be, ourselves now? Well, I, I would suggest you speak to a teacher and say, you know something, this girl wants that. It might be beneficial for us to learn how to work it out with her. We might never remain friends, but can you help us work out our relationship with her? You might find that she's uh, so not we have that, That's exactly, our school's not that type of school. That's why we called. Okay, well then, well then I'll tell you. I've given the awareness, and really, I don't want to tell you disconnect from her because I feel it's the real benefit for you guys is to learn how to work it out with her. And for that, you need that someone to help you out. And unfortunately, right now, we don't have a person to do that. Um, so the maybe, thing is that with her, we would, we would be willing to work it out. If we feel like she's still a type of person we want to be friends with, work it out, tell her what's wrong, she'll accept it. But we have a history of her faking to us, flattering other I'll tell kids. you what. I'm going to ask you girls to forgive me. I appreciate it, but what you guys need now is more guided advice. So we got the idea, we got the concept, and now what you should do, I never tell my clients. I help them work it out. You want an answer. We don't do that here. At least I don't do that ever. We try to help the clients figure it out. You want to hear your answer? And for that, Hatzlacha. 
Arab Nissan, who are we going to go to next? We've got Mr. D. Are we going to Mr. D? Hello. Yes, hello, Mr. D. You're on with Mordechai and Arab Nissan. Hello? Yes. Yeah, um, we have bought your book alive. Um, I feel that's Mamish talking to me. I, I can see myself there a lot of times. So I start wow. to write down the 25, um, the Malas and Kishonis, what you wrote in the book. And I just Thank feel you. Yes, the nature is a different nature. Read them out six. with a chayshik. Yeah. Just do it quickly, quiet, yeah. on a quiet tone. And I yeah. get all tensed up also. Ah. So I want Great. to know. Okay, so say it again. I thought you were saying one thing, and it looks like you're saying another. I thought you were saying what you liked of the book. Meanwhile, you're asking a question. So could you just say it again? Yeah, I, I feel that the book is not much talking to me, so I started, so I, I wrote down the the 20, 25 miles of is what you wrote down in the book. Yeah. And I started to read them out to me. Yeah. I feel I can't say them out clearly. I can't read them out um, with a chayshik. Why not? I don't know. I've Let me help you out. Say the words. I am true. smart. Say the words. I am smart. Say it. I am smart. Ah, good start. Now say it two more times stronger. I am smart. I am smart. Now we're talking. Now do it one more time even stronger. I am smart. Now I'm starting to hear you. Smart. Good. I'm talented. Now, this is every person in the world. I'm giving you general ones. The Rebbe has given this to everyone. I am talented. Say it strong. I am talented. Wonderful. Look how well you did it. So now, why uh, do you hear you can't do it? I, I can hear in my, in my moich, but that's not true. I don't know. Of course. That's why we <laughs> ask you to do that about eight to ten times a day. That's what's written in the book. Just take your 25 miles, say it eight to ten times a day for two weeks. After about a week, your brain starts saying, maybe it's true. After about two weeks, your brain starts saying, well, at least this 10 I'm for sure. The other 15 will work on it. And then when you continue doing it long enough, you get there. As you know, in the first chapter, we discuss all those negative words that we heard. And how many times did our brain hazard over in our mind saying, you're a loser, you're a failure. You see how you didn't do well at this. You see how you tried that and it wasn't successful. You see how many people said this or that. Right? Yeah. So you have so yeah. many negative talks in there that now we need to change it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you say about this, right? He's asking a great question. He's starting to say positive words, and all this negative wor- talk is coming up. Yes, to look at, I would say that uh, the best way is just repeat, 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 and even take a pencil and write it on, on, a, on a piece of paper. I am smart. I am great. I am beautiful. I am good. You know, and it will work. And look at the mirror. Give your smell. Give your, fa- your face a smile and say it. You know, they mention it. Look at the mirror. It's a good, good tra- uh, training to look and just say it again and again and again. And you will be. And before you sleep, you know, I'm going according to Doctor Croy. Before sleep, in the time that you like in between the sleeping and uh, floating area, just repeat it, repeat it, and repeat it, and you see that a big changing in your life. Yeah, Uh, uh, and I would even like you to know there's a concept that's called visualization. That means you might put a little picture, not only you visualizing, but putting a physical picture. So I have on my keys a certain keychain that says, Dear to Soar. 
I got it many, many years ago, probably 15 years ago, when certain people told me you'll never succeed, or certain ideas that I had said that will never happen. And it's just a picture of a keychain. It's a keychain with an eagle and says, Dear to soar, that I will dare, Merit Hashem, to soar, to try to go beyond and above. Whenever I take out the keys, it's a little reminder. These are called anchors in NLP language. Uh, whatever, we're not going to go into that type of therapy. It's an alternative type therapy. But the concept is you want to have anchors. You want to be able to ground positive thoughts. So some people put pictures of, let's say, a house where they want to buy. That they, not the house, but a concept. I want to have success. They will pick, put a picture of money. They want a picture of a nice family for Shalom Bayez. You, the brain, you want to get the brain used to seeing where you want to get to, not where you can't and what you want. You want positive anchors. And I personally have throughout my office many positive anchors and throughout the house. That's just a reminder. So mm-hmm. that's another yeah. tool that besides saying those words, I'm smart, I'm extreme, I'll succeed, or I'm talented, or people like me, I could connect to others, I'm a good heart, I'm willing to go out of my bounds, I'm willing to try something new, I care for others, I can give details to others, I take care of my wife, I take care of my kids. All these positives that you can say it, but in a strong way, sometimes you might need that beginner level, just an anchor, like, wow, I learned this, or a little writing somewhere, of, I've made this masach, this CM, I learned two blot, I daven shachras today. Simple stuff, but just validating and repeating to you what you did accomplish. I want to add uh, something that it's possible also to take like a figure that's really a role model, that you see this, the, the, the top, you know, the Rebbe, uh, Yosef HaTzadik, and just a Shimshon, you know, some, and, and imagine yourself that you are in his shoes right now. And he's very, very yeah. strong... Uh, um, point. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yes, visualizing, okay. connecting to a certain sadik, feeling they're protecting you. Imagine what it's like to be them, to have a certain kayak. It definitely helps a lot. Uh huh. Yes. Okay. Right. We're going to read sure. this one text. You're welcome. Oh. Sure. We're going to read this. It's interesting. It says I had Lyme disease that was treated only after 10 years when it has already affected the brain and the personality. Does. Uh, it's like, do I, but it's him, need to see a therapist for the newly developed confidence issues, or will only medication for Lyme disease do the job if you have any knowledge in the matter? So first of all, I'm not that knowledgeable, but today I got educated and I was discussing it with that client. So first of all, there is, you first need to make sure that the Lyme disease is out, and then there is a secondary sort of disease that's in the blood, that's in the body, if you have Lyme disease too long, that now that has to be taken care of. Step one. Step two, since, and this is again the education that I got, that there are a handful of psychiatrists, that's medical doctors, that are trained and geared how to deal with someone that has Lyme disease for X amount of years, because yes, this person does need now some psychiatric medication, but you want someone that's experienced, I don't that they, that's what they specialize in, and that person is actually going to that specialist. I don't remember if I heard that they're in New York or in some other state, but there is a specialist, a special psychiatrist, because, yes, now there are, as you called it, newly developed issues that came up that therapy might be needed, but we still might need to maybe balance the chemicals in the brain. So for that reason and for that purpose, you can and might need a specialist in that area. Mordechai. Okay? Yeah, the guys, uh, we lost him. Yeah. Uh, I have a, you know, that it's repeat question in the last uh, two months about... Yes. I'm 16 years old, and I went already to, to yeshiva, both yeshivas. Even I do the same thing, like everyone, 
and they always pick on me. What should they do? And this is something that's already, and it seems like, a, a, the, from, the, from the text, it seems like a screen. Do you see this text? Yes, yes, yes. And I did see it. Last program, I did see it. They sent it over and over. I happened to be on one to take it because they said they're 16 years old. Correct? Yeah, he, said, he said, my mother gives me permission, you know, also to ask. Yes. This. So I really, really something that I think it's very common in, uh, in uh, teenager schools. doesn't matter if yeshiva, uh, seminars, everybody, that somebody feels that is the, is the victim. And the bulliness always try, trying to find this kind of um, person. I want you to, get, to give some answer to this young boy. First of all, what do you say? I respect your wisdom. What do you say? No, I, I said what? that, you know, it's, 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 so ma- it's happened so many times, too. And I hear it all the time, you know, they pick on me, pick on me. First of all, is something that uh, the, the person the, the, has to come and check himself. And I know that it's very difficult. And we gave to Mr. D the, the recommendation to say, I'm good, I'm better, you know, I'm... This, Yes. This is give the, give yourself the better better self confidence, and nobody can touch you. Nobody can arm you. They can say about you many things, many things. You know, they try to tease you. Just ignore it and continue, and try to work with your parents about it because it's it, to move from place to place. It's chasing the tail of yourself. It's basically running after uh, the shadow. I think. Yes. That's, uh, best of all, try to find what's wrong. What what the weakest point on you and that people picking up on it. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. And what I would also like to add on to that is that I've dealt with several clients recently, even teenagers in Bahram, and what we found was when I asked them, what do you think was happening and why are they picking on you? And I'm not going to give the examples of my clients because I want to keep it confidential, but let's assume that they might say, well, I do speak to my friends next to me, but it's quiet. It doesn't disturb anyone. So then we discuss it. Okay, is there something else that you can do? Or we try to identify what are four issues that you might do that can trigger the rebellion of the teachers. And we want to know, we want to know if maybe to you they're not bad, but they might trigger them. Once you're aware of it, then we can start changing the behaviors. So let's assume that the teachers aren't crazy, there's just a difference in Mahalchem how to deal with it. Which means, let's say this boy is a leader, and if the Rebbe or principal does something wrong, then they could say, why did you do that? Now, if you do that in front of everyone, they might call that chutzpah. And if you do it often, they might call that chutzpah. Or if a kid says they have to go to the bathroom, and the Rebbe says, not now, or wait five minutes, and you defend it. Or if you ask to go to the bathroom, the Rebbe says, wait a couple of minutes. You go, but I have to go now. That might be chutzpah. However, what happens if you learn, and that's what you sometimes practice in therapy, about how not to question them, which means you might go over to the Rebbe after class, you'll keep your mouth shut, you'll hold it in really tight, but then after class you'll tell the Rebbe, you know something, when I need the bathroom, when I raise my hand, it's after I held it in for already 10 minutes, so when I ask you, it means I really need it. Then the Rebbe will understand that you don't mean chutzpah, you can do it one-on-one. We might do a little practice and start recognizing what a little stuff that you're doing. So it might not be that you're doing anything wrong. It might just mean that we need to adjust certain concepts that you're doing and how to deal with it. Good. Harav Nisna, what would you say 
Yes. So what do you say? Do we go to Mrs. R? Yes. We have, uh, yeah, we can go. Oh, we have someone else? What did you say? We I didn't realize have, it was the uh, order. Mrs. I might have. And Mrs. B online, so let's, let's try to get one of them. Okay, let's go to Mrs. R. Mrs. P. Right, we got seven minutes to go. Hello. Yes, thank hello, you for Mrs. taking R. my call. My pleasure and okay, honor. Um, my question is if I have made decisions for my life out of codependence, but many years mm-hmm. ago, and I realized that the decision was made because of codependence. Sure. Because of wanting to please or not wanting to disappoint. Uh huh. Which I'm sure I'm not unique. That's right. But it's, That's cool. But now human. it's bothering me. Yeah. And I'm wondering how I can take care of it in a way where I don't look to blame others or discover how to. Because I can't really fix it right now. Ah, it has to do there with where you I go. Live. Now we. Now you just said the answer. <laughs> Our past. What? Let me share with you a bit of information. Our past only hurts us when it's actually happening now in the present. So mm-hmm. I would ask you something else. Who are you being codependent to now that you're being affected, that you can't say no to? And that's why the old codependence is coming up now again. Well, it would affect my entire family. It's the, ch- it's the decision I made of where to live. No, 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 no. Don't tell me a decision of the past is what's affecting you. Now, I'm asking you what current issue is going on that you need to tell someone no or set a boundary and you're not able to do it. That is the, that's what's going on. Where, what else in your life? Where, in other words, we call it displacement. Or mm-hmm. we bring up old pasts when we're currently having an issue. So instead of focusing, displacing all the frustration you have now in a situation, you're blaming it, you're focusing on the past issue. No, 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 give it now. Don't tell me what it is because we're on air. I'm not sure of the answer because this is an... The same issue is an ongoing thing for many That's years. That's the point. So now let's change your question and saying, I made a codependent choice in the past, and that mm-hmm. codependent choice is right now affecting me, and I know I need to make now new choices, and I can't. Well, notice can I change now that how the answer? How, notice how the question just changed. The question is not that you're upset about your past codependence. Your, your pressure is that you're still trapped in the codependent cycle. Can, you notice can I what's get, going on? I'm not sure if... I'm a little confused by what you just said. Let me, let's give an example. Let's assume I ate an apple five years ago, and it bothered me because someone told me to eat apples. Today, it's still bothering you that you ate apples then because someone forced you. What I am telling you is you're not upset that you ate apples five years ago because someone forced you. You're upset because today someone else is forcing you to eat oranges, and you really don't want to eat the orange. So now you are focusing on five years ago, someone forced me to eat apples. No, so Maybe I'm using the wrong terminology because no one forced me No, no, codependent means you, you were forced within yourself, whatever it is. Right. Whether you're using codependence wrong. doesn't okay, matter what okay. the language is. The oh, because I'm not sure if forced. I'm using the right term because I'm That's a little right. confused well, by your answer. You're not. Uh-huh. So it is forcing through your inner self. That's through right. an outside influence, which is That's not really right. influence, just me convincing myself of the influence. That's right. And the reason why the apple's bothering you five years ago, because today it's happening with oranges, and you're not able to tell yourself, you know, something, I really don't want to do it, and let me stop it. Or let me work it out with them and tell them I don't want to do it. Even after you discuss it, things change. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, right. But now my question is, 
yep. that it doesn't only affect me anymore. Does that, does, that's right. That's still a Excellent. valid question. So what do you think my response is going to be? <laughs> I don't know. Learn to deal with it now because the more that's, you don't okay. teach it, the more you're teaching your kids how to be codependent. Okay, so, so learn there's to no deal time with... like the present. Don't tell me you're too old. No, no, no. Let's not go through that. And today I've got, I wish some of my clients in their 50s and 60s, which are coming to the office and saying, you know something, I hear your program. We hear that we got we to gotta change now. So, no, no, no. No matter how young you are, you got to change and you can change. Okay, right, Mr. What do you say you're to talking this? about? What? You mean the codependence? Yes, and when you change codependence, you're going to see how you're able to make decisions. And is the only way to change it through therapy? Oh, why are we jumping to the word therapy? I don't use the word therapy. Well, I have your book. Well, learn to say no. Practice with a friend. Discuss it. If you can do it with a friend, go ahead. If you need more help, then you can go to a therapist or maybe even a rubber or an Askin. Do they know in general? Or I'm, not, I'm very for therapists, but we don't have to give everyone money. Let's try handling it first on our own. Have this, what do you oh, think I would that? love to. No, no question, no question. You know, it's, it's something that uh, I think as adults we have the option. Even it's tough to teach ourselves. And uh, to be, you know, I, I, I never say oh, I'm old enough or I'm, I'm or too old to do this because I look at myself, I change a lot in the last few years and I'm a quite old person <laughs> and things that uh, happened you know we're learning every day we're learning Musa we're learning uh, and other stuff so it's and the whole idea the Igeret Ramban said when you get out from the book try to apply it upon yourself and this is the idea to apply it and normally Melech said if you do so if you are by shy, if you're shy or if your nature is the, the, the do it in a row, forty days, forty days in a row. You know, you you don't you won't say no to somebody. Forty days, say no to someone. It's small stuff. No, just small, and you see that it will come to you as a nature. Right. Mm. And do you mean to say that if I work on the codependence, then I will be able to forgive myself for the decision? That's right. The minute you stop the pain, the cycle, then you can start forgiving yourself. Uh huh. But as long as the cycle is in existence, how could you forgive yourself? You slapped yourself in your face and <laughs> say sorry. You slap yourself again. And you're saying sorry. I. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Oh, you bet, yeah. And I know how difficult makes... it is because I myself go for therapy, and codependence is one of the big stuff that I work on till today. With, okay. So, Yep, I'd like to thank everyone thank you that very called much. in. My pleasure, Harav Nissen. Thank you. Hatzlacha, looking forward to having everyone next week. Merit Hashem with Shalema. And apologize to the people that Mrs. B that couldn't answer. Merit Hashem, let her call next week. We'll put her first on the line. Let her call up. We'll put her first. Thank you. Hatzlacha and have a wonderful evening. For an unparalleled Jewish radio experience, tune into J Root Radio.